Good morning. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 7 through uh, verse 17. Is that right, Mike? Okay. Let's listen to God's word. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not neglect to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. The word of the Lord. Good evening, Mrs. Green. I am Nanny McPhee. Oh, you're it! I mean, her. I mean, who who are you? I am Nanny McPhee. Small C. Big P. Right, right. Thing is, I haven't hired a nanny. I don't need a nanny. I'm managing perfectly well. I have never had a nanny because I don't want a nanny. I am an army nanny, Mrs. Green. I have been deployed. No, 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 no. There must be some mistake. Everything's under control here. That's Cyril. He's not one of mine. He's their cousin. Match Norman. Hands off me! He is mine. Indeed. I want to talk with you this morning about leaders. Leaders are like Nanny McPhee. And by leaders, I'm talking about your parents, your bosses, your coaches, your mentors, teachers, pastors, elders. Anybody who is in a position of influence over you qualifies as a leader. Everyone, no matter your position, reports to at least one person of authority. Everybody is accountable to somebody. And I don't care who he or she is, that someone is far from perfect. They're just like Nanny McPhee. Leaders have warts. They have flaws. They have faults. Rarely do they live up to your expectations. Right? I mean, rarely do leaders fit the description or the expectations of society for what makes the perfect leader. 
someone with the right blend of humor and gravitas, youth and experience, discipline and flexibility, stability and spontaneity, sensitivity and bullheadedness. I mean, isn't that what society expects from its leaders? I've sometimes thought that leaders are expected to be lambs in a china shop, blending the best of both worlds. And yet, as Dan Allender says, a good leader will in time disappoint everyone. He wrote a book called Leading with a Limp. And I would commend that to you. It's a great book. And the title is Apropos, because leaders do indeed lead with a limp. And yet, it is to leaders that you say you will follow them to places you've never been before. So that presents you with a bit of a problem, doesn't it? Leaders are imperfect people. They're filled with flaws and make many mistakes, and yet they are supposed to lead. So how do you follow imperfect people? That's the question we want to look at this morning from Hebrews 13. We've been in Hebrews for about five months now. We started back in December. It's a series called Jesus the Crux. We're looking at all of the qualities that make Jesus our prophet, priest, and king. We've seen that he is our great high priest. We've seen that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. And now here we come to the last chapter of the book. And the way to understand this last chapter is to say this. Now that we know who Jesus is, how are we supposed to live? Now that we have Jesus as our high priest, what impact is that supposed to make on our daily life? And chapter 13 is filled with all kinds of different exhortations. We looked last week at one of some of them. We're going to look at some more in the next couple of weeks. But today we want to focus on particularly verses 7 and 17. Those two, the beginning and the end verses of the text you just heard. We're going to focus on them and talk about leadership and how you follow broken, imperfect leaders. What you're going to find this morning is that our text offers you three things to keep in mind in order to help you follow imperfect people. You need to keep these three things in mind. First, that you need leaders. Secondly, that leaders need cooperative followers. And thirdly, that Jesus is our model for both. So let's keep that plan in mind and dive into the first point that I mentioned, that we need leaders. The scriptures in this chapter say very clearly in verse 17 that we need leaders. Look at that verse. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you. That phrase, keep watch, means to stay awake, to be alert, to lose sleep over people, to watch carefully what's happening in people's hearts. You and I need people. We need at least somebody to care for our hearts. And God in his grace raises up leaders to do just that. You say, I don't need anybody to be my leader. I don't need someone to watch over me. I have Jesus as my leader. He's all I need, right? After all, didn't we sing a song about that last week? If you were here, we sang this song called Healer. And it says, I believe you're my healer. I believe you're all I need. I believe you're my portion. I believe you're more than enough for me. Okay, I get that. But if you rip that song out of context, it's not right. We don't need just Jesus. We need one another too. And the Bible tells us quite honestly that we need people in leadership over us to guide the way 
for us to walk. Even though Jesus is later on in this very chapter called the great shepherd of the sheep. We need human shepherds too, don't we? We need Nanny McPhee's to guide our lives. And the question is why? Why do we need human leaders, human shepherds to watch over us? Three reasons that are in this text or at least implied by it. And the first reason is that because people are like sheep. You and I are like sheep. It's been well documented that we're like sheep. We are dumb and weak and vulnerable. We make all kinds of mistakes and we need somebody to show us the way to walk. Do you remember what Jesus said when he saw the crowds in Matthew chapter 9? He saw the crowds and it seemed that they were pressing upon one another. And he said, he said this, he said, I have compassion on them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. See, we would wander aimlessly were it not for leadership. We would drift without somebody pointing us in the right direction. We would sooner walk right off a cliff and kill ourselves rather than stay on the beaten path. We're just like those kids in the Nanny McPhee Returns movie clip. We need leaders. Second reason why we do is that we're easily deceived. We're not only just like sheep wandering here and there, but we're easily deceived. Did you notice that right after verse 7, which says to remember your leaders, verse 9 says, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Isn't that an interesting juxtaposition there? Remember your leaders because, we might insert, you're easily led astray by all kinds of strange teachings. Don't forget what's going on in this letter. I've told you about it many, many times. These Hebrew Christians were being tempted to abandon Christianity for a safer, more acceptable religion that was not the true religion. It was the religion of their forefathers. It was Judaism. They were tempted to depart from Christ and adopt once more the Judaistic practices that they'd been raised with. They needed shepherds who would remind them about the truth and help them stay on the right path. Leaders, you see, protect us from getting sidetracked, from being taken advantage of by others, from following after some charlatan who might happen to come along. Leaders confront us when we're going off on the wrong direction. They teach us and encourage us and correct us and warn us. Leaders do all of that because of our susceptibility to being deceived. And then the third reason that we need human leaders is that we need role models. We need human role models. We need somebody who not only tells us what to do, but shows us how to do it. Look at verse 7 once more. Verse 7 says, To remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. We need people whom we can imitate. We need folks whom we can emulate and follow their example of. You might have heard the story about the little boy who was crying in bed during a terrible thunderstorm and his mom came in. It's a familiar story. His mom came in, sat down on the bed next to him, comforted him, put her arm around him, said, Son, Jesus is here. Jesus is with you. He's right here in this room. He knows there's a thunderstorm going on, but Jesus will not leave you or forsake you. He's sitting right here on the bed. And the boy looked up at his mom and he said, yeah, I know he's here, but I'd like to feel Jesus with skin on. I need Jesus with skin on. And so do you. And so do I. 
We need a Jesus with skin on. And God in His grace raises up parents and teachers and coaches and mentors and managers and supervisors and pastors and elders and deacons and worship leaders and committee chairmen and all kinds of other leaders because He knows that we need Jesus with skin on. I wish you could meet Rodney Stortz. And one day you will. Rodney was my first minister mentor after I graduated from seminary. He was the senior pastor of a church in St. Louis, Missouri. And Rodney called me to be his associate pastor. And I served under him for three years. It was where I cut my teeth as a pastor. I followed him around wherever he went. I emulated him. I imitated him. I learned a lot from him. He was not perfect. There were things about him that drove me up the wall and I didn't care for very much. Rodney died of cancer about 10 years ago. He's now with the Lord. And so often, even now, 25 years after I left that church, I find myself saying, WWRD, what would Rodney do? Because of the impact that that mentor had upon me. I needed a Jesus with skin on. Particularly as you can relate to because of my youthfulness and my inexperience with ministry. To be able to follow someone else who knew a little bit more than I did. Was such a valuable experience. And you in your walk of life. You've got people like that too. It's not just church. It's in your business. It's in your neighborhood. It's at school. It's at Uh, UCF and wherever you go to college, you've got mentors. Take advantage of that. They may not be with you for long. It's a great gift that God has given you to give you a Jesus with skin on. So learn all you can from them. You need leaders because you're like a sheep and so am I. You're easily deceived and so am I and we all need role models. So let's ask the next question. What about leaders? What do they need? If we all need them, what do they need? And Hebrews 13 says that they need cooperative followers. They need cooperative followers. I guess you've heard what President Clinton said one time about running the country. Did you ever ever hear what he said about that? He said running the country is a lot like running a cemetery. You've got a lot of people under you and nobody's listening. You heard that? That's a fairly good appraisal of what leaders feel like. And I'm looking out here at a bunch of leaders. UPC is a church that has a lot of leaders worshiping in it. Leaders in your business, leaders in a parachurch ministry, leaders here at UPC. A lot of you are in leadership positions. And you know what it's like to be at the top. It's true what they say, that leadership can be lonely at the top. And you feel sometimes that nobody's listening. That is why Hebrews 13 wants to talk to followers and says to you, be cooperative. Be a cooperative follower. Now, what does that mean exactly? How do you do that? How do you follow people whom you know to be imperfect? And the Bible gives you in this chapter two directives. It says first to remember your leaders. And we're going to talk about that. And then it says obey your leaders. So if you want to know how to follow cooperatively, listen up. Because all of us are following somebody. All of us are reporting to someone. We're accounting to somebody. 
So first it says in Hebrews 13 to remember these people. Remember your leaders in verse 7. Now when it says remember your leaders, it, that word remember, everybody thinks they know what remember is. Okay, I know what it is to remember. It means to not forget. But that's really not a good definition of that word remember, at least not in this context. It doesn't mean that. It's the same Greek word that Jesus uses in Luke 17 when he says to his disciples, remember Lot's wife. Jesus wasn't just saying, now don't forget the Bible story about Lot's wife. No, remember is different from that. It's also the same Greek word that Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where he says, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Paul is not just saying to Timothy, oh yeah, don't forget about Jesus now. You know, that's not what remember means. The word means to really think about something. It means to deeply contemplate someone, to appreciate them, to consider them carefully, and to apply what you know about them to your own life. So it's a lot more than just a mental process. Remember your leaders means to carefully think about them and contemplate them. And verse 7 goes on to say, to consider the outcome of their way of life. Now, most commentators, you need to know, believe that the author of the letter is talking here about leaders who have died. Leaders who were founders of the church, perhaps. Church planters, if you will. And these people have now gone on to heaven. Perhaps they've been martyred. They've died for their faith. That could be. But whether it's leaders who have passed on or leaders who are still living, the author is saying in verse 7, to carefully observe their lives, to study them as an artist would study a model, find out what they stand for, see what makes them tick. I took one of our men out to lunch a couple weeks ago. He's a, an, a businessman who's very um, successful. And I asked him this question. I said, what makes you tick? I wanted to know what makes you tick and what, what sort of makes you you? And it was a very helpful conversation. And that's what he's saying to do. Consider the outcome of their, of their faith. Find out what they stand for. Learn all you can about them. And again, I tell you that this is what your mentors are for. Your coaches, your teachers, your youth leaders, your pastors, elders, deacons. That's why they're there. So that you can consider the outcome of their way of life and learn from them. In other words, friends, this is a call to focus on your leader's finer points. Okay, we're getting practical here. You want to know how to follow imperfect people? It's so very tempting to fixate on their weaknesses. It's so easy to obsess about what makes them drive you up the wall like I told you about uh, my former mentor, it would be so easy for me to have blown out of proportion his weaknesses and forget all about his strengths. But here the writer is saying in verse 7, what positive things can you take away from that person's life and character? I'm thinking of somebody right now, in fact, who was in my former church. And I've told some of you before that it was a tough experience for me. Five hard years. And one reason why it was five hard years was this particular leader. He was hard to get along with. And it really drove me nuts for the longest time. I could, when I saw him coming, I would go the other way. I mean, it was, it was that bad. I just reacted in the flesh and I didn't appreciate this guy. I didn't obey verse 7 very well at all. 
But then one day I just decided, you know, that guy is kind of, 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 uh, he's kind of obnoxious. He really is. But he's a man of real conviction. And I wonder what makes him able to be that way. And so I just began to choose to focus on that good quality. And it really helped. It didn't erase the struggle I was having entirely, but it really did help me to begin to see him in a much better light. So remember your leaders. If you're working under someone that is irritating, annoying, you don't know you know, how you can possibly follow them, I encourage you to take verse 7 and try to live it out. Remember your leaders. Consider, analyze them. Look a little deeper. Consider what makes them valuable to you and your organization. Secondly, if you would follow your leader well, second thing is to obey them. Obey your leaders. And here we're going to get to the heart of what it means to follow Look with me at verse 17 and let me read it again. It's a very important packed verse. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And here, of course, the specific context is the local church, right? Those are the people, it's saying, whom God has raised up to lead you. And so, therefore, if you would follow them well, obey them, submit to their authority. Now, what does that not mean? It does not mean that God calls you to uncritical passivity toward your leaders. It does not mean that your leaders are always right. Certainly doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything they do and say. It doesn't mean that you can't voice your opinion and even fight for your opinion. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to question your spiritual leaders. As, and if, if a leader's any good, he's going to listen to you. He's going to let you hold him accountable, perhaps. That's part of good leadership. But what it does mean, what this does mean, is that once you've said your piece and even fought for your opinion, When the decision is made, you give way. You give way. You don't grouse about it. You don't grumble and complain. And above all, you don't go around spreading a bad report about your leadership. This verse is calling Christians to respect the leaders that God has placed over them, to yield to them, to defer to them, to speak well of them, and to defend their name. I want to make sure you understand something. I am not preaching this sermon because there's a problem here. Sometimes people assume, oh, he's talking about this because something's going on. I need to know about. You know, I want to tell you that you're doing a great job with the stuff I'm talking about. Just so you know, I've never been in a church in which I have felt so warmly treated, encouraged, loved. And I think I speak for our elders and fellow pastors as well. You're doing really well with all of this. However... We're prone to wander. We're not immune to these sins. We're not fundamentally different from those churches that make it very hard for their leaders to lead. And so it's in Hebrews 13. I'm preaching through Hebrews. We're not going to skip over it just because we're doing a good job. But let's don't get so comfortable that we think this could not someday be a problem. So I hope this is preventive medicine for us. Just wanted you to know that. Do you realize, in light of what the writer is saying, do you realize how difficult it is to lead well 
when people do not follow well? I mean, in your particular business, in your ministry, wherever you are, at school or whatever, do you realize how hard it is for people to lead well when their followers just make it harder than it should be? When you criticize your boss and grumble against your parents and nitpick against your teachers and professors and find fault with the people who are trying to lead you, don't you recognize how that makes their work that much harder? And some of you leaders are wanting to say amen to this. And you want to get this message to your followers, I'm sure. The scriptures say, obey them so their work will be a joy, not a burden. So I want you to think about it. Are you a source of emotional refreshment to those who lead you or emotional fatigue? Someone has said that, and I quote, successful leadership is to a considerable extent dependent on the willing response of obedience on the part of those under authority. And so people of God, we should do all we can to make it easy for our leaders to lead. Verse 17 says that one day, And this applies to me, to Matt, to Seth, to our elders, to other pastors and elders who may be present in the room right now. This is specifically the audience that's in mind in verse 17, that one day those people are going to have to give an account of their leadership. That is a stunning message for us who lead. It's very sobering. You might also know James 3, verse 1. Not too many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be what? Judged more strictly. I want you to know that that weighs heavily upon me and heavily upon my fellow leaders here. I know that. So what can you do? What can you do to help make judgment day go as well as possible? For us who are in this position, what can you do to relieve, if only for a little while, some of the emotional pressure that they carry around with them 24-7? A few ideas, encourage them, thank them, write them, pray for them, come alongside them and volunteer your assistance to them. Those are the kind of things that we can do. So two things to take away today to uh, follow imperfect people. Remember them, obey them. In a word, be cooperative. What's the good news here? The good news is that leaders are going to fail and mess up and followers are going to fail and mess up. And Jesus Christ remains the model leader and the model follower. Jesus Christ is the one lifted up in Hebrews 13 as the one whom we should all emulate. Look at verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the model leader. He is the model follower. He's the model leader. That means that he's stable and and consistent. He never flies off the handle. He's always keeping watch over us. Verse 8 says that he is the rock that we need in a world that's always changing. He loved you in the past by going to the cross and being the one who was blamed for your sin, dying in your place. He loves you in the present by being in the very presence of God at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us all the time. 
He loves you in the future by one day coming back again to get you and take you home to be with him forever. He will love you always because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing you do wrong will make him love you any less than he does. Nothing you do right will make him love you any more. His love is fixed because it's not about you. It's about his work for you on the cross. He's your model leader. And he's your model follower too. Verse 12 of our text says that he suffered outside the city gate to make you holy through his own blood. What does that mean? It means that when the father told the son to lay down his life for his people, the son obeyed. He submitted to the authority of the father on the cross. He deferred to the will of the father. He said, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Jesus didn't grouse or grumble or complain, but instead he said yes to the agony of hell and the pain and burden of the cross. In a world of imperfect people, you and I need a leader like that. A leader like that who will never disappoint us. And that leader is Jesus Christ. Listen, if you've never invited Jesus into your life to be your leader, you don't know what leadership and followership are all about. You need Jesus in your life as your number one. And so I implore you today to admit your sins and weaknesses. Admit your need of a leader and go to Jesus asking him to come step into your life and take control. May UPC be a place where both leaders and followers are honored and nurtured and cherished for the sake of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that you loved us enough to set up leaders over us, that you've given us bosses and parents and mentors and coaches and examples, elders, pastors, people whom we depend on, Lord, to show us the way to walk. Will you help us who lead to lead with humility and grace, to lead under the leadership of Jesus, to always be willing to lead with a limp, to always be willing to show our warts. And then, Father, we pray that you will help us as followers to follow cooperatively, to draw from our leaders all that we can from them, from their positive traits, to obey them and submit to their authority, to remember that they bear a lot of responsibility. Help us, O Lord, to lift them up in prayer. Help us, we pray, to aspire to leadership ourselves so that we can constantly be replenishing the pool of leadership here at UPC and throughout our community. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.